I've got a passage of scripture for you this morning. Oh, there he is. Wow. Was that up there before? Yeah, it was, was it? Handsome little dude. Uh, I've got a passage of scripture in the, in the, in the light of uh, talking about children. Uh, Matthew chapter 18, verse 1 to 5, I want to dive off from today. Uh, let me read to you a passage of scripture. Um, it just says this. Uh, at the time, uh, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who then is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child to himself and set him in the midst of them, and that is him and the disciples, and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. And therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. Um, there's a number of times in what we call the Gospels or the four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John wrote, that Jesus uh, uh, teaches either to the disciples or he's teaching a multitude of people. And um, in this situation, he's teaching the disciples, he's talking to the disciples because the disciples have brought to him they're having a little bit of a problem. And the truth is, is that while Matthew describes that the disciples say, uh, who is the greatest? Um, it was a little bit more than that because Mark and Luke share the same story. And when they describe this story, they actually um, point out the fact that the problem with the disciples that day wasn't just a question of who was the, you know, who's the greatest, but it was the argument they had amongst themselves or who's the greatest among themselves. So here's these disciples uh, these ones that Jesus has chosen, arguing amongst themselves, who's better than the other? The real problem was that they were comparing themselves to each other. Um, that can become a real problem in life. When we start to compare ourselves to others and say, I haven't got what they've got. Oh, I, haven't, I can't do that. Folks, we were never meant to compare ourselves to each other. Because we all have different little things about us that God can use and the giftings in our life are special and wonderful. And our identity doesn't need to be in what we necessarily can do or can't do, but our identity needs to be in Jesus Christ. And so Jesus finds these disciples arguing about among themselves about who is the most important in the group of 12. Um, which, you know, when I think about it, I, I, I suppose you could ask Jesus and say, Jesus... You could have chosen some better people to be your disciples. If they've got some hang-ups about, you know, their identity and who is important, who is not important, surely uh, they're not the best disciples. But I'm glad that God chose them because it gives some hope for us today, doesn't it? I think God chooses not the perfect, He just chooses the willing. He looks for us to be willing. And in our imperfections and in our inability, God wants to do something. Um, wonderful in our lives. I think the only prerequisite to be a follower of Jesus is you've got to just have a heart that's willing, saying, God, what do you want to do in my life? I haven't got it all together, but I'm glad that he chose who he did choose as the disciples. Um, so we've, uh, we're going to start this little series this month, and it's just called Jesus Lessons 101, because as many times he comes across situations where Jesus, in the midst of that um, problem, he teaches something incredibly good. He shares something incredibly, a life lesson for all of us. So um, in this situation, Jesus, of course, wanted to challenge the disciples. And so he uses a child and he brings a little child and puts it in, in front of him. And, um, and then he starts to explain something. And then he says, unless you become like this little child, 
unless you become like, what in the world is Jesus talking about? Obviously, it's not a physical, uh, physical um, attribute. You can't become small again like a child. But there were some attributes of this child, or of, should we say, children, that, God, that Jesus wanted to emphasize because we should continue to have them. As I have already said, there's a difference between being childlike and being child, what, ish. Um, in actual fact, 1 Corinthians 14, 20 says, Brothers and sisters, here's a verse, stop thinking like children. Uh, in other words, that's talking about being childish, okay? Stop being childish in regard to evil, be infants or be babies. In other words, be childlike, uh, but, in, uh, but in your thinking, be adults. So we can see uh, Paul talks to the Corinthian church. He says, come on, uh, not childish, um, but childlike. Um, I think the tragedy of growing up is that we can swap childlikeness for childishness sometimes. Well, it, it might be just me. Um, but I find that sometimes I think, where did that attitude come from? Where did that thought come from? That's a pretty childish response I have right there. Uh, I, 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 you know, and it's a good thing to question sometimes the way that you go about life because it doesn't do you any good, uh, the responses we can have. It doesn't help us. So what does Jesus want to teach us about being childlike, not childish? Well, here we go. Verse 3, uh, Jesus actually says this. He says, Assuredly, I say to you, uh, what we read in Matthew 18, unless you're converted and become as a little child. There we go. Uh, there's a word there, it's called uh, unless. Who knows that as you grew up, that was the one word that you learned um, because someone, your parents would say to you, unless you clean your room, you're not going outside to play. Um, unless you eat all your food on your plate, you're not leaving the table. Far out. I had one of those situations. And I had to sit there, and they turned the lights off, and they walked out of the kitchen. And I was still there looking at that piece of pumpkin, which was just totally disgusting. Totally disgusting. But in the end, after half an hour of sitting there in the dark, I, uh, I eventually ate the thing, and I was released from my prison. Um, but the reality is, I learned as a child, unless I do something, I'm not going to get that. I'm not going to get a reward. Sometimes, even as you go to school, people will say to you, unless, unless, uh, you know, uh, uh, unless, uh, uh, whatever, I don't know what teachers say. What do teachers say these days? You've got teachers there. Uh, unless you clean your hands, you know, you can't come into the classroom or something like that because you're dirty. I don't know what it is, but we've learned. So my first simple thought this morning is this. Um, children understand the power of unless. They know Unless. That they know that unless they do that, there won't be the reward. Uh, unless they do that, uh, there won't be the, uh, the wonderful consequence that will come follow. And so there's some res there is some responsibility that you and I have in life. I want to say that that's one of the powerful principles of life itself. Because if we all take responsibility uh, for ourselves, it's amazing how the society um, goes so much better, uh, you know. Uh, the truth is, unless means we're willing to acknowledge our faults and take actions to change. Uh, unless means we're willing to own up to mistakes and rectify them. Unless means we're able to say sorry to our spouse and say, let's do better. Unless is willing to pay for what you've damaged or someone else's property. Unless is, is a willingness to help you when you make, you've made the mistake, but you're, sorry, you haven't made the mistake, but you're still willing to take responsibility and lend a hand. See, unless makes the world go around a lot better. 
It makes your life a lot better when you follow through, realizing that there's a consequence for everything that you do. Unless you do it, there won't be uh, the outcome that you want. Unless. It's taking responsibility, isn't it? Do you know what I find in today's society? There's a little thing called sin. It's not little. It's quite big, actually. And unfortunately, we have a culture today that calls it other stuff, calls it just a little mistake, calls it, un, um, you know, calls it uh, something that you couldn't help. Uh, you know, and I'm not for one moment saying that the things that happen in our life that are not our fault. There's some things that aren't our fault. But reality uh, sometimes is that we can um, sometimes, uh, with all due respect, medicate away and try and medicate people to get to the point where they don't do those things and say, well, it's just their upbringing or whatever. And with due respect, sometimes there is bad upbringing and there are problems and there are all sorts of stuff. But, you know, generally, can I just say that, you know, the reality is, is that the longer we hold off telling uh, and re coming to reality of what we do wrong is sometimes just something we shouldn't be doing. It's just sin. The more responsibility and the better we will be the better we will be. And Jesus is saying, unless sometimes we, he says in Scripture, unless you're converted. In other words, what that means is turn around. It means change direction. That's what the word converted means in, the, in, the, in English as well. It means to change direction. If you, unless you stop doing what you're doing, there's some consequences that you're not going to like. And so in society and culture sometimes, it, it wants to be little or it wants to, how can I put it, it wants to dumb down the reality of sin. You know, uh, some people have said you shouldn't say the word sin. Oh, folks, we've got to be real and honest. Sin is sin, isn't it? And if the world turned from it, the, the world would be a better place. And if we would turn from it, we'd be a better people. Uh, that's a reality, isn't it? Oh, you know, in actual fact, some people say, well, don't, you know, don't destroy a person's life by mentioning their sin. No, no, no. You get dignity and a hope and a future when you deal with the stuff and get it out of the road and say, it's a failure on my part. I repent. I confess. I repent. And I move on. And I receive forgiveness. See, unless, unless, I, uh, I, I find it, it concerning how the culture of the world wants to push in and say, don't talk about things like sin or repentance. That'll hurt people's feelings. I, I, you know, I'm glad I have feelings and I respect people who have got genuine situations that they've, fought, they've not, no fault of their own. But the world lives in pain and heartache because of the struggles and the th sin of our, this world, hey? And it's not becoming any better because people are saying, you know, just dumb, dumbing it down and saying it's okay. No, it, Jesus said, you know, he's come into the world to save sinners. Uh, and uh, I was one of them, and I still am in some ways, I suppose. So, see, when we take, human, when we take um, responsibility, it doesn't diminish our dignity. It actually enhances our life. It enhances our life. And uh, when we're morally responsible and stop making excuses, uh, it actually can bring life to us. Because, you know, the last time I checked, when we've physically, physically got a problem, uh, sometimes you've physically got to get rid of it. 
Uh, if it's a boil, you got to lance it, deal with it, um, let the pus out. You know, and I think with sin, it's the same thing spiritually. And that we've got to deal with it. We've got to let it uh, deal with it. And then dealing with it is coming, confessing it, repenting it, and walking in forgiveness in Jesus Christ. And it heals and life goes on. And I think that's such a better. And it's instead of allowing the sin to fester in our lives and creating, you know, um, dysfunctional attitudes and people that are just hurt and in pain and never maybe take responsibility. So Jesus says, you want to be childlike and not childish? Well, it takes one word, unless, unless you realize. Here's the second thing I love uh, because it says, uh, Jesus talks about this. He says in verse 2, Jesus calls children to himself. And the, and the uh, it's interesting, whenever you read about Jesus and children, it seems to be that the children always were happy to come to Him. It never talks about them being afraid or fearful of Jesus. And, and you know, in this case, while it doesn't say uh, that they just, uh, um, you know, were happy with Him, it, it simply in, intimates that they just, when Jesus called a child, they would come to Him and sit there. And in this case, they did. And they sat there with the disciples and Jesus made an illustration out of this child's life. And, you know, if this one thing about a child that I, I find is childlike is that they have a simple trust. Children have a simple trust. You know, I remember my little girls growing up and they trusted me, which I felt responsible for. You know, you know, I could do so, you know, I could lead them the wrong way. I've got to be careful how I talk to them. I've got to be wise in how I lead them and guide them because, you know, they're simply trusting me. They're simply trusting me. And children have a simple trust. And I, and I love the reality that, um, you know, the child comes to Jesus with that childlike trust. And so we should never lose that trust in our Heavenly Father. He's saying, that's a quality I want you to have, that God is there for you. In actual fact, it says in John chapter 1, verse 12, For as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become the what? The children of God. As many as received Him. To simply come and trust him, and uh, I was, I was, uh, you know, I, I was at my brother's place, and um, he has five children, and uh, at this one stage, there's a little girl, his little daughter's name's Elsie, and and when I was uh, there at his place, they got an internal staircase, and and I, I was at the bottom of a set of stairs. There was about ten stairs up to the next level in this split level house, and and I, I'm just about to step on the step to come up, and I noticed little Elsie. She's just turned two, and she's at the top of the step with this massive big smile on her face, and and I looked at her and I thought, yeah, she's you know a cute little girl, and 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 as I take the step, she launches herself from the top step, flings herself off the top step. And I just had time to catch her in my arms. And she laughs and she giggles. And I'm thinking, it's okay for you. you just <laughs> and, I, and I went to my brother. I said, Jason, what's the deal with Elsie? She just jumped from the top step. I said, oh, sorry. I didn't realize she'd do it with you as well. <laughs> I said, well, you could have told me, mate. <laughs> I, she could have hurt herself. He says, what did she do? I said, well, she jumped. She didn't say a word. She didn't speak to me. She just jumped. And I thought, fire out. Talk about leap of faith. And as I considered and thought that, yeah, I said, that's what children are like. They simply trust. They simply, because the story was that my brother, there was a little thing that he would do with his daughter. He would come home from work, come in the front door, and the internal, he was right there at the turtle, and he would stand at the bottom. Elsie would come to the top, and he'd just jump, and he'd catch her every time. He knew about it. 
And I, I love the reality of the simple faith of children. And you know, Jesus is saying, have you got a faith like that? A trust in, in God? Do you, you know, have you got a trust in God when what your expectation for the outcome of a situation doesn't come to pass in your time frame or exactly when you want it to happen or even when it doesn't happen at all or when that prayer that's been prayed doesn't get answered and you're thinking, what's wrong, God? Can you still trust Him that He knows the best thing for your life? Let's, let's put it to bed right now. God has the best plan for your life. And sometimes His answers to us can be no, because He knows He doesn't want that. It could be destructive. Or wait, because it just takes the right time for that to come to pass. Or yes, He'll give that. But you know what? It's a trusting in Him. And when the things of our life, when we expect it, when we have an expectation and it doesn't happen like we do, can we still trust Him? Are you still willing? Or are you sometimes going to say, well, God, in your heart, maybe not verbally, will blow you, God. If you're not going to come through for me, I'm glad He doesn't create a whole bunch of spoiled kids. And every time we cry out to Him that He hands us the lollipop, every time, you know what? We'll have rotten teeth eventually. And I think sometimes as Christians, we expect God to it's every prayer. He, he, does He encourage us to ask Him? He certainly does. But would we trust Him? Would we trust Him when maybe the answer isn't what we wanted or expected? You know, Michelle and I sat in front of a gynecologist and he said, your child, this is our first child, and some of you know the story, but for the sake of it, I just got to share it again. That the gynecologist, our first conceived child, said to us, um, your child is going to be born a strong chance, a big um, statistical possibility. It'll be, um, you know, a, um, a disability and um, it won't be a, uh, what's the word? It w- well, he said Down syndrome and a whole couple other things as well to us. And the expectation was that we would have a whole child. You know, your first child is you're thinking, oh, it's going to be a beautiful little baby. It's going to be normal. It's going to look like us. It's be all those things. And now we had all those expectations challenged. So how are we going to respond? Well, Michelle and I, uh, to cut the long story short, Michelle and I had an expectation, um, but we're glad we didn't follow through with the suggestion. The suggestion was to, to abort the child. Um, but we were glad uh, that's not the decision we made. Um, and uh, we thought that, uh, you know what, God, in the end, we said, God, um, we're going to trust you. Uh, I'd like to say that that was all a smooth road and we just had this wonderful, you know, ability. But it took, it took a journey to trust and just to say, God, we're going to trust you anyway. We're going to believe for anyway. And in the end, uh, we come to the conclusion whether we have a normal child or we have a, a child with a disability, we're going to be happy. We're going to thank you and praise you anyway. I think that's a little bit like, uh, you know, are we willing to trust? Are we going to uh, give God more praise than, than even the answers that we look for? Are we going to be happy to trust Him and praise Him through all those situations, even though those, that, that it doesn't happen like we want it to happen? And you know, I, I, I read this this morning, and <laughs> it said, well, maybe, and, and so I've added it, well, maybe the struggle happens to prove that we don't have a problem that God can't solve. Maybe the pr- problem happens to prove that we don't have a problem that He can't solve. Now, does God make the problem for you? No, no, no. But sometimes maybe the unfolding of it, uh, He allows. And when we feel powerless, He is not powerless. And, we, and so 
we get to trust Him in a way we've never trusted Him before. And if there's one thing that whole um, nine months uh, for me and Michelle, it built something into our spirit and soul that now I realize we needed as we went, stepped out into further things that God had for us, that we needed to have that ability to trust Him. I want to say, have you got a childlike trust today? Have you got a childlike trust? Because He wants you to trust Him. He wants to wean you off the things of this world that are so temporary that sometimes we put our trust in our things, our relationships, our, our, our finance, uh, all those type of things that, that are great to have, but in the end, they don't need to be the thing that you lean into so much so that you, they're the things you depend on. God says, would you just trust me? Because what happens when the finance goes? What happens when you haven't got that? thing anymore who know the reality is is that we when we die we don't have any of that but we've only got one thing and that's our belief and trust in the lord jesus christ isn't it so here's here's the point uh let's have a childlike trust and faith in him here's the, here's the last thing i want to share with you today um the disciples as we know this whole teaching jesus gave them came out of uh, a disagreement they were having amongst themselves and they were caught up in the reality of who's better than who here? Who's going to be the prime disciple? Who, who's going to be greatest? Uh, so Jesus had some pretty contentious people in his group of 12. And some of the disciples had issues with wanting to be recognized, have power, position, titles. They wanted to be great for all the wrong reasons. But that's not what greatness is. And here's my point. Children don't seek greatness they seek to do great things. They don't seek greatness. They seek to do because um, children are not self-absorbed. They're not proud. They haven't got an ego. They haven't developed one yet. They just go and do things because they want to do things. There's nothing about trying to... Now, they may look for our affirmation. They build their Lego um, castle or whatever it may be and want to show us. And we proudly say, that's so wonderful. That's so good. But there's no ego or pride or self-absorption. Or, you know, look at me, aren't I better than everybody else? There's no comparison that children have with one another. Maybe as they grow up, they might start to obtain those attitudes. But, you know, they just want to do great things. They don't want, they don't want to be seen as great. They just want to do great things. And the disciples were the other way around. They wanted to be seen as great. And Jesus is not about that. And just before he died, Jesus took the the feet of his disciples and he washed them and he said you've got to be a servant to one another that must have shocked them but jesus where where are you know aren't we destined for great things no just be a servant that's how you really serve children by nature are not old enough to understand anything about trying to be better than others or being self-absorbed in the wrong way children just want to do good things often because they see what mum and dad do without the ego issue they have no ego issue and so i want to encourage us this morning humility is never having to tell others what you what you did but let others tell others if at all <laughs> humility is just saying hey whatever i'm just going to do it anyway and when we think about it, pride keeps us from acknowledging our own faults, from yielding our shortcomings to God, our sin to God. Pride makes us um, live a life of hypocrisy, judging ourselves better than others and destroying relationships on the journey of life. 
And it forfeits the ability to receive the grace and mercy that God offers us. If there's one thing that stops people from coming to Jesus, it's because of our own stubborn pride. It's not because of how good or bad you are. It's not how much money you have or haven't got. It's got nothing to do with that. It's often this little thing within us that just, no, I'll live my life own, my own way, thank you. How destructive it's been. Pride and ego have caused wars over the years. Millions of people have died because of it. The devil himself, of course, was ripped out of heaven because of his pride. He was an angel and he became a fallen angel because of that one thing. And don't you think he wants to now make sure that the God who created his humanity, he wants to make sure humanity want to go down that track as well? You've got to fight against it sometimes, folks. That pride and that ego and that self-absorption. And I'm better than you and don't, you know, that's the way it's going to be. You've got to fight against that. Because it doesn't create, it's a childish response, not a childlike response. So I want to encourage us today after beating you up a little bit. Are you all, all okay? Well, the child, one child is, he's so taken by my message, he has to weep before the Lord. It's okay, it can happen, it's fine. We're family church, we're allowing those things, it's okay. Do you know you're childlike and not childish when you know the power of unless and take responsibility? Do you know you're childlike when you simply trust when your expectations are challenged? Do, do you know your childlikeness when you seek to do good and don't need to be recognized for it? He, he's got us and He wants us and he, he wants us to live for Him. Now, you know, I, I'm, I know I'm preaching to everyone who understands this, so you know, you know. But there just may be a little, there may be one person today who just needed to hear this today. There's one. Uh, I don't know. But I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you today that God says, you know what? He said to the disciples, you guys, you got this little bit element of childishness about you. Come on. I want you to be childlike. And he put a child in front of him and explained it. Can we stand today as we close and the team come and we're going to worship Just for a moment this morning, I, I, um, I could you just um, just close your eyes for a moment, just for a moment as you listen to my voice. I just want to encourage you. The first step in being childlike is responding to Jesus Christ. Because it says in Scripture here, unless you uh, are converted uh, and uh, receive Him as your Lord and Savior kind of thing, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. In other words, it's, it's turning around, coming to Him, acknowledging our sin, Confessing that, receiving the forgiveness that Jesus offers and going on in our life with Him, walking with Him as a disciple. And maybe today you've, you kind of believe in God, but you've never responded to Jesus publicly like in a, in a service like this. And today I want to just ask you, because I want to pray for you today. Would you let me do that? If you're saying, I really need to respond to Jesus and maybe for the first time or again, because you know you just need to put Him first and stop living your own life. And if you're here this morning, I'd love to just take that opportunity to pray for you where you are today. And if that's you, could you just give me a wave? I'll acknowledge that hand. You can put it down again, just as we close our eyes, putting maybe for the very first time saying yes to Jesus. Because the Word of God says, just confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. It's a confession and a belief. 
And I want to take you through the first couple of steps real simple this morning. Anybody this morning that needs to say yes to Jesus? Okay, let me pray for you today. Father, I thank you for every person. I thank you that we all stand equal at the foot of the cross. Imperfect as we all are, I thank you for your grace and your mercy upon our lives. I thank you for your kindness to us. Your kindness leads us to repentance, the Word of God says. And boy, we need sometimes just to come before you and give it to you. I thank you that you receive us and you forgive us. And I just ask that you'd help us, Lord, to be people that would be honest with ourselves. Whether it's our sin or our responsibility that we need to take up. That we'd help us, Lord, just to be honest about, you know, um, doing great things. But not having, not letting the ego crowd in on us. And Lord, to simply trust you more than we ever had before. You know, I, 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 um, there's someone today who's going through something and it, it's a trust walk. And it's a bit like you're standing at the top of the stairs and you just feel like you don't want to jump because you're not quite sure who's going to catch you. And you've been hurt by other people who haven't caught you and the expectation you thought that people would help you and they didn't. And God just says, I'm not like them. I'm there all the time. I'm there all the time. And God would say, just, you know, Resurrender afresh even today to me. Simply trust. Simply trust. You're going through something that's just like you need to take that leap of faith and it's not easy. And I think the leap of faith is simply trusting Him with what you're facing. So Father, I pray you help us as a people to trust you. It says lean on into our understanding and all our ways acknowledge Him and He will direct our paths. We want to trust you. We want to lean into you, God. Help us to do that. And not into our own understanding or into the ways of the world, but to your ways. Well, I ask and pray in Jesus' name. And everyone agreed, said? Amen. Come on. One more.